So we are continuing our series uh, through the Gospel of John this summer, and as we're going chapter by chapter, we've seen uh, many things that John has taught us about so far. Um, here we are, this is week nine, so we are in John chapter nine, and just as the summer continues to, to roll along, and, and some things are, are normal summer type stuff, and a lot of things feel really weird and different and kind of chaotic. Uh, but with that, we know that God's word is solid and it is true. We are just continuing to, to work our way through it and, and to learn from John um, through the story of Jesus and his life. And we know, again, that John is very um, strategic in what he shares with us within his gospel and what, what stories he's in, he includes and, and what he leaves out and doesn't tell us. And, and as we've seen, you know, worked our way through the gospel, we've seen this progression of Jesus' ministry and these last two weeks, in chapter 7 and 8, we've had kind of this break in the action where, where Jesus is, has been attending this festival uh, in Jerusalem, and, and there's just been lots of dialogue and back and forth, and you know, we haven't seen any big events or miracles or any, any big things, and yet then we now, after this couple chapter break, we get into chapter 9, and, and here we get, go right back to the action. Okay, here Jesus does another miracle. And not only a healing of a person, but, but for the second time now in the gospel, he does this healing on a Sabbath day, which we've already seen what that's caused within the other religious leaders and kind of the, the religious community. But as, as we open up to John chapter 9 this morning, if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to John 9. Again, if you're with us here in person, there are Bibles you're welcome to use there in the seat pockets. Um, if, if you're worshiping this online, if you have your Bible, you can pull it up. And, and again, we're going uh, to be, like I said, we're going to go back and forth to it a couple times today. But before we, we jump into the text, I just want to kind of set the context. So we, we've seen Jesus in Jerusalem. He's at this, this festival of, of shelters, and there's just lots of people in the city, and the, which this story in chapter 9 continues on in the same context. Jesus is still in Jerusalem. There's still lots of people around. However, Jesus is kind of going around through the city, and, 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 and this, um, this miracle, this story, it happens around the Pool of Shalom. Okay, now, the, the Pool of Shalom is still in Jerusalem, but it's kind of at, at the, the different, different side of the city. Um, it's, it's not in the, the, within the, the walls of Jerusalem. It is, it's actually uh, outside of the city walls, down by the city of David, where, where David's palace was. Um, and there was this, this large pool down there known as the Pool of Shalom. Um, as, as I was in the Holy Land uh, this, these last, uh, in January of this year, uh, we went to this site, and this uh, was a place that, that we saw. And if, on one side of the city, we looked at it, the Pool of Bethesda that is within the city. Uh, kind of, we saw that where Jesus healed this other guy, right, on the Sabbath day that kind of started all of this. And now this pool is on the other side, like I said, over by the city of David, and this uh, is another place where people were sitting, people were, um, you know, figure it out, um, kind of, and Jesus comes up to this man. Okay? And, and so within this, this narrative, we see this, this story of, of, of this, this man that is healed, um, and, and it's the same kind of narrative form that we've seen with, with other miracles within John. And, and truthfully, this, this miracle, this healing is, is a nice welcome break of just kind of the, the tension-filled conversation. Okay, so we're going to jump right into the text. Like I said, if we, if we get this working back there, then we'll, we'll move forward and show you those when you do that. But 
We're going to jump forward here. John chapter 9, um, we're going to start reading at verse 1. All right, what it says, John 9, 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. So as we see, again, this Jesus has kind of this, this intro to this uh, this. This miracle, again, obviously, we're still just, we're in dialogue here in these first five verses between Jesus and his disciples, okay, and, and we see um, they ask Jesus a question, right, and, and this question that they ask is a very common belief. They, 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 they believed that physical defects were a direct consequence of sin, okay, and, and they, they, they present Jesus with this question. They're saying, hey, here's this man that was, he was born blind. Right? He, he was not, it wasn't by an accident, it wasn't by disease, it wasn't, like, he was born that way, right? So, so the, his reason for blindness was different than, than other people's. And again, and they, they knew that, and again, this man had never seen before. They, and as we, as we realize this context, right, the, the disciples only saw two options. They present Jesus with this question. Hey, this man was born blind, and so it, it, was it his sin that caused this defect, or was it his parents' sin? And, and Jesus, Jesus gives, gives them, though, the answer, and, and the answer, in fact, was option number three. Right? Jesus um, says, hey, yes, you guys present the, these two uh, answers. So this is the Pool of Shalom. You see, this is kind of the excavation of it. Um, you see, this, this side, is this very, it was a very, very large pool. Okay? And it was just one pool where we saw in, in Bethesda, there was a bunch of little pools all in this big area. Okay, this is where we see this is... Again, the, the Pool of Shalom, okay, and this was where lots of things happening, and this was close to the city of David. We can see this pool is mentioned several times in the Old Testament. This is now in the New Testament where it is uh, mentioned. And as you see this excavation, um, again, it was uh, kind of buried in the, the destruction of Jerusalem, okay, in 70 AD. And, and then uh, we see now it's been, there's a portion of it has been excavated. And it's literally right in the city, right next to uh, where David was. And so we saw, we, again, we've got into our text here in John 9, uh, 1 through 5. And, and again, the, the, the disciples have, have given Jesus two options, and then J- Jesus gives them the third option. Okay, and the third option is, is this first thing that we need to really understand, because this can still be somewhat of a common belief even today, right? That because of our sin, we, we experience lots of these negative consequences on earth, right? That, that God wants to punish us. Right, and cause these horrible things within our life. But, but Jesus teaches them that the struggles in life are not always a punishment for sin. Right, the, the, the struggles in life are not always a punishment for sin. And, and again, they, they didn't even really think that that was an option, right? And yet Jesus says, but, but it's not. Right, we see, in, again, in, in verse 3, when Jesus tells them, it's, it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened... So the power of God could be seen in him. And you think, okay, well, is that any better? 
I mean, it, maybe the sin wasn't the cause, but, but this man is still suffering. Like, like, he still cannot see. I mean, there's, there's still a deformity. There's still the, this, this fallen, horrible thing that this man's had to deal with in his life. So, so Jesus, is this really any better than what we presented to you with? Because we, we need to understand from this statement of Jesus that, that struggles that we have in this world are the result of a fallen world. It is a result of sin, right? The, because God, again, is, is sinless. God is, is holy. God is perfect. Right? And even his original creation, right? His, his, even, even our human bodies were created in his image, and we started out in that way. And yet, the, the, the farther we get from the Garden of Eden, the, the worse our world gets. Right? The more destruction sin does, and, and the, the more struggle and, and worse that we have life. And so there are consequences of sin, and, and just our world is falling. Right? And our world is degrading. And that our struggles, whether it's, it's a physical struggle or an emotional or spiritual struggle, is a direct result of the fallen world that we live in. It is not always a direct consequence of a sinful decision. Yes, it's a consequence of sin, right? But that we're moving further and further away from God, but, but it's not a punishment for our own direct sin. Again, God does not cause everything, but God absolutely can use everything. Again, Jesus was telling them, no, like God didn't cause this man to be born blind. It, it just happened. Right, because we have deformities in our DNA and, and all those kinds of things, because our bodies are fallen. And, and yet, Jesus is saying that because he was born blind, now not only him, but, but all of us will see the power of God at work. And Jesus was foreshadowing what he was about to do to the disciples. Did God cause this man to be blind? No. It was a kind of a natural occurrence, natural result of the fallen world that we live in. But God did not cause this man to be blind, but God absolutely can use the fact that he's blind to show his power and his majesty. This is a concept that we see uh, play out throughout scriptures. In fact, um, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Or love. Again, God does not cause all of the bad things in our world, but God absolutely can use all of the bad things in our world. Right? Because wherever anything falls short of God's glorious standard is a chance for us to see his power unleashed. Right? And his recreative um, intention for all of us, right? That transformation that God wants to do in each of our hearts and our lives, which is at the core of the gospel message. We see that happen when God intervenes into this fallen world in whatever the context. Again, allowing something and causing something are not the same thing, right? And, and, and Jesus is telling his disciples that God now can work in this situation, and then we're going to step back into our text because this is kind of at the point when Jesus is like, he's foreshadowed what he's about to do. And then it's a watch this moment. Picking up at verse 6. He says, then he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. 
and Salome sent. And so the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Well, where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. And then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees, because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and had healed him. And so we see again in this passage, as we just looked at verses 6 through 14, right? This is where, again, the, um, the miracle really happens, right? This is where Jesus heals this man. Now, now Jesus does this in a little um, different way this time, right? Jesus throws in a little, uh, a little variety, right, just to, just to keep it interesting. Okay, not only does he just speak it or he doesn't physically touch him, right, that Jesus uses some unconventional ways, right, to heal this man's eyes. Now, imagine this man's perspective. Remember, he was born blind. He's never seen anything before. Okay, but yet, well, our bodies have this, this natural way of adapting to whatever is going on. And so, again, if you lose one of your senses, your other senses tend to be heightened in order to compensate. To realize this man, right, has never seen anything, but, but you can imagine how well he could hear, right? And how he could probably notice and different people's voices and their, their you know, the, the fluctuations of, of their speech and kind of all these different things, right? He, this man, right, well, had been a beggar. He'd been, he was used to sitting there listening to all these conversations of people passing by and, and just so again, he, he likely could have even heard this discussion between Jesus and the disciples. And you, you know what, you could have, I mean, the scripture doesn't tell us, right? But I can just imagine this man sitting there, and we've all been in those situations before, right? When you hear somebody talking about you, right? How awkward it is, right? And Jesus kind of says this, and, 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 and then, then imagine what he heard next. Right? And, then, and then what he felt next right, is something cold hits his face. Right? And then probably thinking and wondering in his mind, okay, is the, the loogie sound and what's on my face, are those connected? And I, I'm sure Jesus could have come up with a little less gross way to do this miracle, but, but, but yet this is the way that Jesus did it. And, and, and this, this mud, this saliva mud mixture hits this guy's face. And then he hears something from Jesus. Jesus gives him a command. Right? And Jesus says, now go and wash. And, and I think probably my first reaction this moment was, absolutely, I want to go do that. Right? And, and when we think about this situation, and realize again that this was happening for the second time Jesus heals on the Sabbath in the Gospel of John. And, and we understand again that, that Jesus, though, didn't just tell him to, just, to heal him and just move on, right? Jesus added in another step for this man. He puts his mud on his eyes and then says, now go and wash. And, and this man followed the command of Jesus. 
Now, this, again, wasn't necessarily a hard command to follow. I mean, I'm sure he probably felt like he needed to wash his face. Right? But he did it. And the truth that we understand out of this, this context, and even why would Jesus do it this way, right, is, is he's teaching us that everyone can find healing by following Jesus' commands. Are you going to do what Jesus tells you to do? Because the truth is this man, right, was facing impossible odds. In fact, he had no hope of ever being able to see again. But he was born blind. I mean, nobody, just as they say, nobody that's been born blind has any hope of ever seeing again. And yet Jesus tells him, go and wash and you'll be able to see. And, and, and he actually does it, right? He, he, he is obedient to everything that Jesus told him to do. And he did exactly what Jesus had commanded. Again, him being able to see was so impossible that, that it created this confusion among the crowd. Right? So we see, because what, what, what was the people's reaction? They're like, no, you can't be the same guy. That is impossible. That can never happen. Right? So much where the guy himself is going around, he's like, yes, it's me. It actually is me. This really happened. Right? This was so unbelievable to the people and to the crowd. Again, him being able to see was, had gone to a whole new level of Jesus' healing power. Hey, we see here in verse 11, we, we kind of see as, as he's telling them, he's like, again, the man called Jesus made mud and he spread it over my eyes and he told me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash yourself. And so I went and washed and now I can see. Again, when we look at this verse, this this. Here is, this is the man's testimony, right? As they're questioning, they're like, how did this happen? This is an, an incredible miracle. And he's like, you're right. It is an incredible miracle, right? This is what Jesus did, and, and I followed his commands, and, and it worked. And I can see. But think about how this man could have responded. Okay, he could have responded very differently, but, I mean, he, he could have just told them, well, the only reason I needed to wash my face is because he spit on me. But, yeah, I mean, he could have thought, I'm just going to wash the spit on my face. There's no way that I'm going to be able to see. He could have pushed back on Jesus and saying, like, no, there's no way that you're capable of that. But he didn't do that. But he, he also could have, could have responded with zero faith in Jesus. Right? About, uh, you know, Jesus, why... Why would you even make me go wash? Like, if you're really as powerful as you say you are, then just heal me now. I, I refuse to walk through your steps, Jesus. Because I deserve better than that, Jesus. I'm not going to do it your way. I want you to do it my way. I mean, he could have reacted that way. Right? There, there's lots of ways that this man could have reacted to Jesus. And yet, all of these things, whether it's an entitlement attitude, right, whether it's, it's a lack of faith in the power of Jesus, no matter what attitude we come to Jesus with, our attitudes could be hindering the work and the will of God. Right? Our attitudes might be hindering the work of God in our lives. Even when we look at the gospel of grace, right, the core of the gospel message, right? The salvation through faith. And 
Well, but oh, but I have to, I have to ask, I have to pray and ask Jesus in my in my heart. If God was really that powerful, He would just save me. How might your attitude, how might your perspective be limiting the power of God in your life and in your faith journey? Because we all have the same choice that this man had. We, we decide how we will respond to Jesus and to his commands. Right, and then the story continues okay, in verses 15 through 34. Hey, now, I'm going to respect the time. We're not going to read that entire passage, but... But starting in verse 15, right, now this is where the Pharisees get involved, right? They, they start seeing kind of this, this, this hubbub that's happening here around this man and, and this crowd, and everybody's questioning how this could happen, and, and oh, Jesus might have done it, and kind of all these. So, so the Pharisees get involved, and they start questioning this guy themselves, right? They even bring in his parents, right, because they don't believe that this could have really happened, and they bring his parents in, they're like, is this really your son, or was he really born blind? And they're like, Yes, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. But anything beyond that, you go talk to him. We don't want to get involved. Because they they knew the tension. Everybody in the city at this point knew the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders. And there were lots of people that were trying to keep it away from them and say, nope, I don't want to get involved. And and again, John, um, John gives us some of the details and especially... Um, you know, how they continue to challenge these miracles that were happening on a Sabbath because they were protecting all of the precious rules, right, that they liked so much. Again, John doesn't really go much into all of this because he's already established it very well, right, about how irritated these religious leaders get with Jesus about doing stuff on the Sabbath day. Okay, but I do want to pick up at verse 24, and then we're going to continue to read at that place. So John 9, we're going to pick up at verse 24. Where he says, for the second time they called in the man who has been born blind, and they told him, God should get the glory for this because we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Well, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I have told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. And ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. But if this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Again, I think here we get a really, really good glimpse, right, of who this man really was. This was a pretty smart guy. This man knew his history. He knew um, even the, the, the physical reality of his own condition. Right? And as they were questioning him, notice he does. He starts teaching them. Right? Because he's like, no, the claims that you're making cannot be true about Jesus. Again, what, and what was the, the, what was the source of this man's confidence? I mean, here, this was a blind beggar. This was the bottom of society is now teaching the top structure of their culture. 
right? And he speaks to them with confidence. Where did that confidence come from? Well, that confidence came from the fact that Jesus had done something that could not be explained in any other way in his life. He says, you can, you can, you know, break down who Jesus is, where he came from, all these kind of different things. You, you can, you can kind of argue back with all of these facts and figures, but it does not change the fact that I can see. And there's only one explanation why I can see and why I couldn't yesterday. It's because Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He is God. There's no other explanation. Science can't explain it. Tradition can't explain it. You definitely can't explain it. But the only explanation in my changed life is that Jesus is real. He is divine. And we need to follow him because of that. Right? Because the truth that this man knew and where the source of his confidence is still 100% true today. Right? That no one can argue with your changed life. No one can argue with your changed life. People can come back with arguments against the Bible, right? People can come back with logic of science or, or whatever, you know, explain away through history, whatever they want to try to do with Jesus. But they cannot argue with what God has done in your life and in your heart. Right, because notice, what's the reaction of these religious leaders? Right, they become defensive, but they have no argument for this man. Right, he completely shut them down. And so what was their reaction? Well, we'll just kick him out. Right, and that, that's all they do. They just kick him out. They have, they have no argument back for this man because no one can argue with your changed life. Right, and and we, we see this right, from this man in verse 25. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner. He's like, you're, you're throwing all these accusations, all these kind of things out. He's like, I don't, I don't know about any of that. Right? You're, you're going to throw out stats and figures that, that, that I, I know nothing about. But this is what I do know. I know that yesterday I was blind, and today I can see. Just like we sang in that song this morning, right? Like yesterday I was in the chains of bondage, but God, through God's amazing grace, I have been set free. There's lots of things I don't know about Jesus. There's lots of things I don't know about the Bible. There's lots of things I don't know about church culture. But what I do know is that yesterday I was lost. I was hopeless. And then I did what Jesus told me to do. And today... I've been set free. And today I feel loved in a way I've never felt loved before. And, and my life is different today than it was yesterday. And there's only one explanation for that, and that is Jesus. Because nobody can argue with your changed life. And the truth is, the much, as much power as this man's story had, your story carries the same power. Because the same divine power that, that healed this man's eyes is the same divine power that is unleashed in your life when you receive Christ as your Savior. And when the Holy Spirit indwells your heart, 
and transforms your mind. That same power is alive in our lives as it was his. Again, there was no explanation for this man's changed life. Okay, all of the debate over the facts couldn't compare. And your story has the same power. Because there is no such thing as a boring testimony. If God has changed your life, that's not boring. Right? If you've been set free from anything, that's not boring. Okay, and and you have the same potential that this man had with your story to affect other people. And one of the things that, that we've done here as a church, and, and we've seen some of these we call journey stories, of just people talking about their experience with Jesus and, and how God changed their life. And, and your story has the same power, and, and we'd love to celebrate with you what God has done in your life. And and we have a team ready to, to work with you to record your story. Okay, so we can see it. Again, if you, if you want to go onto our website, and there, there's a whole page of the, our most recent journey stories that are on there. I encourage you to go on there watch them. Okay, and and, and I, I want to have way more of those because I know that God's working in, in our lives. Right? God's power is being unleashed. And we need to celebrate that and share that because no one can argue with your changed life. And if you're ready to share your journey story and, and, and to, again, we'll, we'll help you work that out. Just You can write that on your Connect card before you turn it in today. You can send us an email, right? Um, submit a contact through the website. Let us know. Say, I, I want to work on my journey story. And, and, again, we'll be in contact with you and we'll get that, get that rolling. Hey, but I, I want to finish this morning with, with this, this last section okay, of, of the scriptures, okay, 935 to 41. And now this is the aftermath. This is where Jesus shows back up. Okay, John 9, start picking up at verse 35. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and, and he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? Well, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Now, this is the mic drop moment for Jesus, right? This is the aftermath. This is where, again, Jesus shows back up to this man, right, and, and, and speaks to him. Once again, Jesus uses a physical example, right, to teach a spiritual discipline. Right? He, he comes to this man and says, hey, do you want to be saved? Right? This is not just about physical healing. This is about healing your heart. This is about healing your life. This is about healing everything about you. Right? And, and notice, once again, this, remember, this man has never physically seen Jesus before. Right? Jesus walks up to him, right? I mean, he's heard Jesus speak. He's had Jesus' saliva on his face, but he's never seen Jesus before. 
Right? And as Jesus walks up and, and Jesus is talking to him, right, then, then he's like, yes, I want to I wanna know who Jesus is. And, and Jesus has to tell him, he's like, I'm him. You are seeing me for the first time. And the, the truth is, is that here in this passage, in this, this, this concluding verses of this miracle, we see very two distinct and opposite reactions to Jesus. Okay, reaction number one is by this man. Okay, the first time that he sees Jesus. Okay, and his reaction is complete surrender and worship. Again, how does he react once he, once he connects all the dots and realizes, oh, this man standing in front of me, this is Jesus. He connects all those dots, and, and his, his immediate reaction is complete surrender. Yes, Jesus, I believe, and he bows, and he worships. Again, when you think about that moment in your life when, when some miracles have happened, like change have gone, you get through that situation, God shows his hand, right, and just you, you suddenly connect all of the dots, and realize how much God has worked, right? Whether that's your, your initial salvation experience or any other time in your life and in your faith journey. And when all those dots connect, what's your reaction? I hope it's the same as this man, right? You, you see that and you can't do anything other than worship and praise. Thank you. But that wasn't the only reaction, right? I, I mean, here we see in verse 38 how, how he exclaims, like, yes, Lord, I believe. And then the man said, and again, he confesses with his mouth, right? And he worships. Right there, he didn't care who saw. But then we see the other reaction, right? And that was, of course, by the religious leaders, right? That, that again, that are, that are eavesdropping in on, on this conversation and, and they hear how Jesus says, yes, I've come to open the eyes of the blind, but not everybody's going to receive me, right? And we see that other reaction from them. This is a reaction that we're used to by now by these religious leaders, and we're only nine chapters in, right, is a reaction of defensiveness and self-preservation, right? Again, they were, they were pushing Jesus away, right? They, they, they now, again, engage with Jesus one more time, right, in this pushback in this argument right? in verses 39 and 40 we see then jesus told him i enter this world to render judgment to give sight to the blind and show those who think they see that they are blind and some pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked are you saying we're blind how dare you jesus don't accuse us of that right it's even that moment like even if it's true how would you dare even bring it up Cross the line, Jesus. That's a place we're not willing to let you go. Obviously, Jesus is saying they're blind. Right? In fact, he calls all of us blind. Because again, who, he entered into this world to render judgment. Right? To give sight to the blind or to show those who think think they see that they are actually blind, right? I mean, Jesus is telling us, we are all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God. We are all blind. 
But the only difference, not whether we're blind or not, I know is what, what the Pharisees, that's what they denied. They denied that they were ever blind. They denied that they ever needed Jesus in their life. Right? We are all sinful. We are all blind. The, the most important thing is how we react when God shows us we're blind. How are we going to react when Jesus shows us that we're blind? Again, Jesus uses this physical example of this blind man to teach us a very important spiritual truth. It isn't really about whether we're blind or not, right? It's about if we're going to stay that way. And then Jesus kind of takes it and says, okay, guys, we're going to move from this physical example into the, the spiritual reality that you need to learn because it's not actually about you being blind. It's about you being guilty. Are you guilty of sin? Right, in verse 41, right, Jesus says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Because by them claiming they can see, they're saying, I have no need for a Savior. I don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. I just want to kick you out, get rid of you. I don't want your disruption in my life or in my city or in my kingdom anymore. I just want to live my life the way I want to live my life, and you get out of it. Okay, and that was what they told Jesus. Again, this is about admitting that we need a Savior. The, the admitting that we cannot save ourselves. Admitting the fact that we are all blind. And the real question at hand is whether we will admit it or not. Because if we do admit it, Right, Jesus is right there to give us sight, to set us free. And then the question becomes, what are we going to do with our sight? Right, are we going to share our story? Are we going to live out our faith? Are we going to continue to follow his commands? Or are we going to just drift back into our comfort zone of where we were before and deny Jesus all over? Are we going to move forward in our faith? Are we going to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today? Or am I just going to shrink back and just drift away and stop journeying? And that is a question that we have to face every day. Have you admitted you're blind? Have you, have you followed Jesus' commands, believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, receiving him as your Savior? And if you have received your sight, are you going to use your sight for the glory of God? Because that's exactly what this man did. Are you going to use your sight to worship and to glorify our king? Are you going to share your story? Are you going to live out your faith every day? So we just have my final thought this morning, and that's this. Are you still blind? Because if so, you can accept sight by following Jesus' commands. And if you have sight, then use it for worship and to help those that are still blind. Yeah, will, you, will you react to Jesus today? We, are, we all are going to react to Jesus today. The question is, are you going to receive what he gives us and offers? Or are we going to push him away? Lord God, we come to you this morning, God, and we believe in you. God, we confess that we're blind and that we need you and your power to be unleashed in our lives. 
God, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, God, we know that you can heal. And God, we ask this morning, God, that you would heal us. Lord, you would set us free because we believe in who you are. And God, we are going to respond with our lives this week. We respond in worship. We're going to respond in obedience and follow your commands. Lord, and help us to respond with courage in sharing our story, sharing your life and your love with this world that is so gone. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for giving us sight. God, help us live out our lives this week as followers of you. God, and that are going to share our story and our life and your love. Guide us as we go this week as we journey forward in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.